Secure Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full informed investment decision. This is your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMV. Now, here's Joe Anderson and Big Al Clopine. It's a little bit after the hour. Good morning, everyone. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson here. I'm a certified financial planner. I'm with Alan Klopine. He's a CPA. Thanks for tuning in. Next couple of hours, talking about financial planning, retirement, taxes, the stock market, irrational behavior, Social Security. What else can we throw in there, Big Al? Oh, I got stuff about... um Growing older and pitfalls and over 55, out of work, downsizing your home. I got a little quiz, too. Maybe we'll do later. Hmm. I, I pulled this up. I thought this was interesting. Have you ever heard of a, a gentleman named uh, Barry Sanders? Barry Sanders? Yes, I have. Have you? Running back for uh, the Detroit Lions? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jerry Sanders. Yes. Heard of him? Yeah. Uh, he was the mayor of San Diego? Yes. And Bernie Sanders. Bernie. Currently running for president. Um, Bernie Sanders, though, he's interesting. Um, his tax plan sees um, will raise, what, $15.3 trillion. I just saw that. Yeah. Over 10 years. Over 10 years. They, uh, they don't call him a socialist for nothing, huh? Wow. Sanders' plans uh, would modestly raise tax rates for average taxpayers and raise them significantly for high-income taxpayers, yeah. according to a report by the Tax Policy Center. Yeah, it's, I don't have it in front of me, but it's roughly between 2 and 3% increase for most people. But the highest rate for those that make a lot of money goes up to 52% from currently 39.6. Sanders would take uh, tax capital gains rates at ordinary income and eliminate opportunities under current law for avoiding the tax uh, through gifts and bequests uh, for appreciated property. Oh, no step up. Uh-huh. Under uh, Sanders, the top marginal rates on long-term gains and dividends would be more than double to 64.2%. Hadn't heard that one. 64.2%, Big Al. I, I heard 52. So now it's now it's 10% higher. Jeez, that's a lot. Yeah, I heard I heard that uh, if your income is over 250,000, capital gains become ordinary income. Yeah, let's see here. Um, so then, let's see, broad base that would include leveling an additional 2.2% income tax on all taxpayer, implementing a 6.2% payroll tax that would be paid by employers on all earnings, expanding the Social Security payroll tax ah. uh, to earnings over 250000 and imposing a higher rate on the highest incomes, the report said. Wow. Those taxes would pay for Sanders' health care program, uh, which he says will cost about $1.38 trillion a year. Okay. All right. Highest incomes. Tax increase on Americans with the highest income would generate about 25% of the new revenue. Uh, Sanders would create a new top marginal rate of 52% for people who make more than $10 million a year. Yes. Now, that's what I heard. I don't know how he gets to 62, though. Uh, the remaining 35% of the new revenue Sanders envisions would come from higher taxes paid by businesses. A new tax on financial transactions and new tax on carbon emissions. You know, this financial tra- uh, transactions one is um, pretty interesting to me. Did yes. you hear about that? No, explain that. Um, 0.5% on all transactions. Okay. A levy. A levy. So Tra- you, you transact- buy stock. So you, sell, you buy and sell buy, stock? Yeah. Let's say you have- 0.5 goes to 
Yes. The fund? Yeah. Put, you, you invest in. You think fees are high now? Just wait for a levy to get on top of that thing. There's no way anyone would be able to retire. Oh my goodness! So by the time you make two trades, that's one percent. Pretty much, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Yeah, million dollar trade, boat, five grand, <laughs> right up the top. You know, then you got brokerage fees, you got trading fees, you got this. Oh boy, day traders in trouble. Well, just the average Joe would be in trouble. Yes. You know, because when you look at behavior, right, uh, when it comes to investing, and we talked a little bit about this last week, is right. that, you know, when the markets go up, people buy. When the markets go down, people sell. And then there's the investment return, and then there's the investor return. Uh, and the investment return usually outproduces the investor by significant margin. And what I mean by that, if you take a look at a mutual fund and you say, all right, well, what's the 10-year average of this mutual fund? And the 10-year average, just to keep it simple, let's say it's 10% over the last 10 years. But the investor return, so Morningstar, it's a company um, that analyzes this, they look at inflows, right, and outflows of the overall mutual fund. And the average investor, the person that's investing in that fund, does about 75% of that. Yes, yeah, or, or less. Or less, or, or I guess um, 75% less, 25% yes. of the return, I should I, I yeah. meant to say. In fact, the latest stats, Joe, I can tell you, S&P 500 in 2014, and I'm going to round just to make it easier, uh, earned about 12%. Women earned 5%, so not so good, but how about men? About 4%. Women actually did better than men, although both lagged just the simple S&P 500. So they're getting a smidgen of the overall yeah. index yeah, because then, they're buying and selling. Even if they were invested in the index fund, let's say, all right, let's invest in that S&P 500 index fund. It's a pretty good fund. It averages yeah. you know, 10% over the last you know, 100 years. Sure. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Right? But the returns are variable, of course. They come and then they go. They come and they go. The stock market they, well, goes up and down. But the problem is, is that, all right, so if people trade as they continue to do, the average tenure of a mutual fund is three years. Right. Right? That's a long-term investment. Three years, that's not long-term. No, it's not. And Joe, I got the latest stats for 2015. The S&P lost about 1% over the course of the year. Did How did men and women do? Well, they lost more. Women about a percent and a half, and men about 2%. So, how often do you think they traded? Probably often. I would say often. Right. Because you know why? Because it's it seems like... When we have little downturns in the market, all the negative press comes out and we get scared and we sell. So, well, okay, you understand why we do that, but then the market goes back up and we've missed the gain and then we get back in because the market's safe again and we're buying high. I mean, it's like, how about if I just want to rebalance my portfolio, right, to put myself in a lot better position? I want to, you know, I want to buy low and I want to sell high. Sure. You know? I want to create um, you know, wealth for myself, but every trade that you make, just simple trades there, I mean, it, uh, yeah, Wall Street will get hammered, but they'll just take their trades you know, to a different exchange. Yeah, well, we have some, it's, it's to say the least, it's a very unusual presidential election this year. Every single candidate has some pretty odd things that they're proposing. <laughs> we'll see. Well, yeah, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Um, so anyway, I just uh, I read that, and um, there was a little <laughs> bit of a debate in the overall office on Friday. Yeah. So um, uh, what I want to get into a little bit later, too, is Social Security. Uh, big things here. Um, a lot of changes, and guess what? The Social Security Administration, the office is... They don't know the rules. Yeah, they're giving bad advice. Well, they're not giving advice at all, but what they're saying is wrong. Is wrong. Yeah. They're not. 
It's unbelievable. I've had so many calls uh, in, um, in, in, in coming into the office. Right? We did a Social Security webinar. If you want yes. to uh, check out that webinar, go to our uh, website, uh, purefinancial.com. And I might say so myself because I was not actually on the webinar. It's excellent, Joe. You did a great job. Thank you, Al. Appreciate that. <laughs> I know you'd do the same for me. And But, right, so they watch the webinar. You know, We give the, the strategies out, and then I get emails. Well, Joe. I went down straight down to the Social Security office. I filed and suspend. Just what you said. And just you know, well, they no, they said I can't do that. Well, I, you know, I wanted to still file a restricted benefit. Nope, they said no, that's no longer. It's, it's gone. It's gone. And it's like unbelievable. And yeah. then, so they're coming back to me. Well, are you sure you're right? Yes, of co- yes, I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> well. It- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by the way, folks, you can do this. We'll get into the strategy in a bit, but you can do this all the way up until April 29th. So, um, you, uh, Mike, Michael Benier, uh, an advisor in our office, was on hold with a client for an hour. Yeah, I heard about that. <laughs> and, no, no, you can't do it. And it's like, okay, can I talk to your supervisor? Well, uh, my supervisor's busy. He'll call you later. <laughs> nope. So we know the rules. We have the rule book. Right. right, it's right there, and so just think about the average individual that might hear bits and pieces, right. and tr- and because they- the Social Security office. And no offense to anyone that works for the Social Security Administration, it, it might not be their fault. Maybe they're just getting bad training, or something's going on. I have no idea. Well, and it, it, to be fair, it's very complicated, extremely complicated. <laughs> but here's here's what some people, what I've told some people to do is is copy the part of the web page from Social Security that says you can do it, and take it to them. Yes. I mean, we have the codes and everything else. So um, for our clients, it's been, um, it's been an interesting journey yes. um, over the past couple of months uh, trying to get through, making sure that they can claim the right strategy to get what is deserved to them. Right. I mean, in just a matter of weeks, the government is changing the rules for claiming your Social Security benefits, and these new rules will literally cost some seniors, what, tens of thousands of dollars? If you're at least 62 years old... And you or your spouse have not started taking your benefits. Thousands of dollars are at stake, so you must act now. We've got to take a break. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the show. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Uh, my name's Joe Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner with Big Al Clopine. He's a CPA. Thanks for tuning in. Go to purefinancial.com. I'll learn all you want about us. Uh, we got 300 some odd plus videos on there. If you want uh, a short snippet on something or a very long TV program, uh, we have it on that website. Al and I also do Your Money, Your Wealth uh, uh, TV show. Yes, we do. So we do a radio show, TV show. Uh, we so just started filming our third season. Third so s- look for some new episodes. Yeah, it's very exciting here We've, for us. We're it. through uh, three shows already. I think the, I think the first show is going to f- uh, air in San Diego. Um, I think uh, not this weekend, but next weekend, Sunday morning, 6.30 a.m. Yeah, CBS. Channel 8. Um, For years, some smart and savvy retirees have taken advantage of a handful of little-known strategies to claim their Social Security benefits. Rather than just taking their benefits at face value, they had a plan. They had a plan for how and when to claim their benefits. And as a result, it put tens of thousands of dollars of additional benefits in their pocket. No joke. For some, it's the equivalent of taking, I don't know, a five-star week-long vacation every single year for the rest of their lives. But here's the problem. In just a matter of weeks, those little-known claiming strategies are all going to come to a screeching halt. 
The government is changing the rules on how you're claiming your benefits, and the deadline is just around the corner. For those who are eligible, you have a very short window to take action. But if you don't, you're just leaving what could be a small fortune on the table. When it comes to these new rules, you have to act now. So let me explain what they are. There are two benefits that are going away. One is called a restricted application. I'm gonna start there. If you are over 62 years of age, you can still do a restricted application. Let me repeat that. If you're over 62 years of age, you had to turn 62 though by the end of 2015. So if your 62 birthday was in 2015 or over, you qualify for a restricted application. What a restricted application does is allows you to take a spousal benefit, okay? So you could claim it on your current spouse if you're married, or if you are single but have an ex-spouse and have been married to that individual for more than 10 years, you qualify. So if you're over 62 by end of 1231 of 2015, you're married or were married to someone for over 10 years, you qualify for a restricted application. I don't care what the Social Security Administration tells you, you <laughs> you're in. Now, what the restricted application allows you to do, it allows you to claim the spousal benefit. So let's say I'm married, I'm 62 years of age, and my spouse is claiming their social security benefit. I say, all right, maybe you wait until full retirement age, maybe you take it at 62, it doesn't matter. I would encourage you probably to wait till full retirement age to do this. So let's say I'm over 62 by the um, end of last year, now I turn full retirement age, 66, a couple of months. I'm married. My spouse is claiming their benefit. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want to take my benefit yet. I want to continue to let my benefit grow till age 70. So I can claim a restricted application. What that means is that now I can claim my spousal benefit. The spousal benefit is half your spouse's. All right? So your spouse's... Benefit is $3,000 at their full retirement age. Your spousal benefit would be $1,500 a month. So you can claim the $1,500 a month, the spousal benefit, and let your benefit, your own retirement benefit, continue to grow by the 8% delayed retirement credit the Social Security Administration gives you. So you take it at your full retirement age. Instead of taking your own benefit, you will take the spousal benefit. You will let yours continue to grow until, let's say, age 70. Then you turn off the spousal benefit, you turn on your benefit, and then live happily ever after. So that's the restricted application. So if you um, turn 62 years of age by 1231 of 2015, you still qualify to take that restricted application. You can take it on an ex-spouse as long as you are married to that ex-spouse for 10 years, um, or if you are currently married. So that's one that is going away. So if you're not 62, then that benefit is no longer available to you. So just to be clear, you can t st if you're younger than 62, by the time you get to full retirement age, you can still take a spousal benefit. You just can't do a restrictive application and let your benefit continue to grow. No. What happens then if I'm under 62 years of age? It's called deemed. It's a deemed benefit. What, well, all that means is this, is that they will give you the higher of the two. Right. So let's say I'm like, all right, well, because the restricted application, what actually that means, Al, is that you can, instead of taking yours and letting yours grow, you're just taking the spousal. Right. Okay. So if let's say I'm younger than 62 
I, I turned 62 this year. All right. So I can no longer ever claim a restricted application. I can still have a spousal benefit Correct. if I never had my own benefit. But if my benefit is higher than the spousal benefit, they're going to give me mine. Yeah, I understand. So so let me, yeah, part two of what I was going to say was that that's right. So it's, it's whichever benefit is higher is the one you take. So if your benefit is higher than half of your spouse's, you got to take your benefit. Correct. Right? If your spouse, if half your spouse's benefit is higher than yours, you can take that. You can take the higher of the two. Correct. It's just that you can't no, you can't do this this thing where people were filing this restrictive application to let theirs grow and taking half their spouses and letting theirs grow regardless of whether it was higher than half the benefit. So that's what's going away, right? You got it. You got right. it, right? Right. So if I say, "Hey, I uh, the spousal benefit is still there." Right. But I just can't if my benefit is higher than the spousal benefit, they're going to give me my own. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, there's there's no, you know, some people call this kind of gaming the system. In other words, you kind of got this free money while you let your own benefit grow, and so that's what's going away. The other benefit is um, file and suspend. And with file and suspend, you still have a deadline. You have to be full retirement age or older by April 28th. April 28th is the deadline for you to file for your benefit and suspend them. Why would you want to do that? Because for your spouse to claim the restricted application, you either need to be claiming your own benefit or filed for your benefit and then suspend them. So if you want to continue to let yours grow, right, and say, I don't want to take mine, but I want my spouse to take the spousal benefit, well, you're going to have to, right, that's where file and suspend came into play. You filed for your benefits, then you suspend them. The, the, the spouse was able then to claim that restricted application. But now for the spouse to claim the spousal, you would have to claim if yeah. you are under full retirement age by April 28th. So if you are um, over the full retirement age or full retirement age by April 28th, so what's that, a month and a half, you still can go to the Social Security Administration and file for your benefit and suspend them. Because for years, smart and savvy retirees have taken advantage of these benefits. These benefits added tens of thousands of dollars. It's in their pocket. But like I said, just in a matter of weeks, the government is pulling the plug, all right? So the good news is you still have time um, if you're grandfathered in, but you have to act right now, okay? You, you, you risk leaving a small fortune behind. Got to take another break. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Now back to Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 AFMB. Welcome back to the program. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Uh, my name's Joe Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner with Big Al Clopine. He's a CPA. Thanks for tuning in today. Uh, go to our website at purefinancial.com if you'd like. Now, talking Social Security, deadline's right around the corner. Yes. The government kind of pulled the rug from us, changed the laws. And so for some of you, um, you have to act quickly. So I just went through that. Um, if you missed it, you can listen to a podcast or go to purefinancial.com and go to our webinar. Right. Uh, but we're talking about the restricted application. Uh, so you need to be 62 years of age or older, still still qualify for a restricted application. Uh, and then uh, 62, if you turn 62 by 1231 of 2015. Now, if you're looking at, if you're full retirement age and you haven't claimed your benefits yet, or if you are full retirement age um, or going to be full retirement age before April 28th is the deadline. 
um, I encourage you then to file for your benefits and suspend uh, because that's the last time you'll be able to do that. File and suspend is going away and you got until April 28th to do this. Now, here's a few things. Is that still, Al, I mean, you've seen the studies, is that most people still take their Social Security benefit as soon as they can take it. Yeah, the majority. I think last study we saw, Joe, I think the, the people that take it at 70, which is the last uh, year that you can take it and still have increased benefits, is it's about 2%. Mm-hmm. It's not very high. And the, and the truth is waiting is actually going to be the best answer for many because every single year you wait, as you say, Joe, particularly after uh, full retirement age, which currently is 66, you get an 8% credit. In other words, your benefit is 8% higher the following year by not taking it, and then 8% after that. So but, but by waiting between 62 and, or 66, I'm sorry, and 70, you're going to have an additional 32%, or third again as much. So in other words, if you were going to get about 30000 a year, it's more like forty thousand a year right and that's a lot that's a lot because that goes for the rest of your life and it's indexed for inflation and by the way it's kind of tax efficient right because worst case it's 85 percent of it's taxable in some cases none of it's taxable and in california it's all tax-free so having that higher income being tax efficient that's pretty good right so this is where the planning comes into play for a lot of you and i get it it's like there's some you know hey i think it's going to go bust it's not going to be around it's not going to be there so i'm going to if you need the money and i know a lot of individuals need the money as soon as they can get it then take it but i'm telling you if you're retiring at 62 today because that's the earliest you can claim social security i think you might have to take a look at your overall plan Um, because we ask this question all the time why are you retiring at this age well that's when i can get my retirement that's when i'm supposed to retire no you have to make sure do you have enough assets to maintain your same lifestyle Right? Do you have um, an, an investment strategy to make sure that you're preserving your capital as well as creating the income that you need? Do you have a tax plan to make sure that you're mitigating every ounce of tax possible from that? So you can't look at this so short-sighted because, I mean, when you're 62, what's another couple of years? Right? If you can work another two years, three years, I mean, that's a huge, huge difference. So first of all, if you're planning on retiring at 62 without any other strategy or any other plan, To make sure that, A, you can retire at 62, I would encourage you to do a little mathematics, okay? Secondly, is that the longer you wait, like Al just said, the better off you're going to be from an income standpoint. So maybe you take your money out of your retirement accounts to live off of and let your Social Security grow. I think that might be a better strategy if your main focus is retirement. Now, if you say, hey, I want to leave a lasting legacy and I want to give a bunch of money to the kids and things like that, well, no, you might have to tweak the numbers because what happens there is that, all right, well, you know, if you, you die prematurely and you take some assets from your overall retirement plan and you don't make it to age 70, well, then the kids are going to get less because there's no lump sum at the end with your Social Security if you die prematurely. True. If you die prematurely, it's done. Too bad. I, I guess if you knew when you were going to die. Perfect. This would be easier, Easy, wouldn't it? man. Easy math. <laughs> so... Looking at this, is that, all right, well, here, let's say you do retire at 65, 66. Okay, took our advice and worked another couple of years. Then you're like, okay, well, now I'm full retirement age, 66. So let's claim the benefit. And I get why you want to do this. I do. I've been doing this close to 20 years. And I understand the the emotional impact when people retire is that they want to feel at least some level of consistent income coming in the door. Because you're giving up your paycheck that, all right, was deposited right in your checking account every two weeks or every month or whatever it is. And there was that, right, 
familiarity with money going in. Even though the Social Security check is probably going to be significantly less than what you're currently making for a lot of you, you still take it just so you have at least the necessities taken care of. You know, I've got a couple thousand dollars a month guaranteed coming in, and then I can, you know, draw from my other accounts. All right. But if you look at it this way and say, you know what, hey, push that thing out to get 133% increase on your overall benefit. That's a lot, right? Like Al said, if it's 30,000, it turns to 40 grand. You have to look at inflation. You have to take a look at taxes. Take money from your retirement accounts in that given time period, right? Bleed out that ordinary income tax, and then you have a lot larger benefit that is extremely tax efficient for the most part. It is, Joe. And, and the other thing that we tell folks is that if you're married, it's a really good idea for the spouse that has the highest benefit to wait as long as you possibly can, hopefully to age 70. Why is that? Well, because first of all, while you're both living, you will enjoy that higher benefit. But when one of you passes, let's say the high, higher wage earner, passes, then the spouse will get the survivor benefit, which is equal to the same as the spouse that passed away. So it's a way to take care of your, your spouse if you pass away, and you never know which one is going to outlive the other. That's, that's, that's a real important thing. But taxation, boy, that's, that's another big thing, because a lot of people don't realize how Social Security is taxed. And Joe, there's this thing called provisional income. Okay. Okay. Because some people don't pay any tax on Social Security, and some people pay tax on 85% of their Social Security at their tax rate, which is probably the 15% bracket. Could be 25, could be 28, whatever. Okay, so here's how it goes: you you look at your provisional income, which is your adjusted gross income before Social Security. Bottom of your first page, add back Social Security if you already have it. So that's your starting point, and then add your tax-exempt interest and half of your Social Security. That's your uh, provisional income. And if you are married, filing jointly, if that figure is under $32,000, there's no tax to pay. If it's between $32,000 and $44,000, you've got to pay up to 50%. That's not a tax rate. Up to 50% of your Social Security is taxable. And then if it's over $44,000, then uh, up to 85% of your Social Security income is subject to your current tax rate. Now, if you're single, those numbers are $25,000. Below that, it's taxed at zero. Twenty-five dollars to $34,000, it can be taxed up to 50%. And over $34,000, it's taxed up to 85%. Where this gets tricky, Joe, is it's not just this all of a sudden thing where it flips from 50 to 85%. It gradually increases. And what happens is as you go over these levels, an extra dollar of income, which you have to pay tax on, causes more of your Social Security income to be taxable. And you think you're maybe in a 15% bracket because you're paying tax on two different things at the same time. It feels more like a 27, 28% tax. And there is so much planning that you can do to make sure that you're not paying these higher tax rates rates. And for those of you that are, are way past the 15% bracket, it's still important to do this kind of planning because if you don't, you end up paying as much or more taxes through your retirement than even your working years because you required minimum distributions and all that sort of thing. So, uh, Joe, I think the, the real crux of this is a lot of people don't realize that they have any control over paying their taxes but it's not true. In fact, you have more control over how much you pay in taxes in retirement than any other time in your life. But your stockbroker, your financial advisor, even your CPA don't understand how to lower your taxes in retirement because it's not their expertise. The only way to lower your taxes is by having a forward-looking tax-efficient strategy. 
All right, we got to take a break. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the program. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. My name's Joe Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner. I'm with uh, Alan Klopine. He's a CPA. Uh, thanks for tuning in today. What we're talking about uh, right now is Social Security. And then on the last segment, we're talking about ta uh, taxation on Social Security. And I think it's important to kind of recap some of the things here because... Um, if you do the appropriate planning, if you understand how this works, you could save significant dollars on your taxes. And where do you think tax rates are going to go? Do you think they're going to go down or do you think they're going to go up? If you think they're going to go up, then planning is even that much more important. Because when you look at what people focus their energy on when it comes to their retirement, I would say most of it is geared for what their investments are in, right? You could be an average Joe Schmo investor, right? But if you save money in, uh, on the taxes, you're going to probably be 95% ahead of the game, right? Absolutely. And then the problem there, too, is behavior. So if you just fo focus on if your confidence in your strategy and you save tax and you don't get in and out of the overall markets and lose a lot of money on the table because of you trying to time the market, um, you will be significantly better off because the average rate of return of the S&P or the U.S. markets over the last 20 years is what, close to 9%. The average rate of return for an average investor is about 3%. That's a 6% differential. So if you just stayed in the market over 20 years, you would've got a 9% compound annual return. But most of us got a 3% or 3.5%. So just think about additional 6% on your money over 20 years, huge. Now, what about taxes? Taxes will add another one to 2% potentially of added return because you're giving that much less to Uncle Sam. And then when you're looking at Social Security, you want to throw another wrench in here. How confusing is all of this? It, it, and if you look at the numbers, Al, is that I got this statistic for you. I, thought, I think you'll like this. Good. All right. All right. The truly staggering numbers involved how much in Social Security benefits was subject to tax out of a total of $553.5 in benefits listed. Taxpayers included more than $24.3 in their taxable income. Taking $24.3 billion and dividing by $55.3 billion works out to a benefit-weighted average of 44% of American taxpayers. Yes, interesting. I would say that that's skewed significantly. If they take a weighted average, 44% well, sure. of Americans pay taxes on their Social Security. I would say it's a heck of a lot less than that. Right, because there's a lot of people that they're just solely living off of their social security well, and retirement. Correct, Joe. So that so let's yeah, let's put this into perspective, right? So a lot of people probably Probably half of the people out there are living only on their Social Security. I mean, it's it's a pretty big number. It's probably even more than that, right. but it's a, it's a big, big number. Big number. So that tells... Be compliant. It's a huge number. It's a big number. Yeah, <laughs> we don't know exactly because we don't have it in front of us for the second. However, the thing is, so they don't pay any taxes on their Social Security because I just went through that last segment. They don't have enough income to have it be taxable. So you got if you take all those people out, I bet you it's about 80%. You know, 80, 70, 80 percent of Social Security's tax. We just went over. It can be as high as 85 percent. And I'll tell you, most of you guys, I'm going to tell you, it's going to be 85 percent of it is going to be taxable. So let's go through that again, because to calculate whether some of your Social Security will be treated as taxable income, you first have to take all other sources of income. You got to look at your wages, investment income, taxable, uh, private pensions, and then add in half of your Social Security income. If the result is greater than the first threat of, uh, threshold, and then that threshold is uh, $25,000, all 
All right, so that's if you're single, then 34 if you are married. Is that right, Al? Uh, I think it's 32. Well, that, I'm, I got 24, 2016. You got 2016? Uh, I think so. All right, well. No, 32, I'm sorry. 32, 32 and 44. Yes, All that's right. what I got. Yeah, so we're big, together. Oh, big Al. 32, <laughs> my bad. I was looking at 44, and I said 34. All right. So then 50% of your benefit is subject to tax. Once you're over that first threshold, then the additional dollar after that is taxed at um, additional 35% to make it 85%. Right. And so I would say most of our listeners, most of you out there, are probably going to live off of more than 30000 40000 bucks a year. Right. If you include half of your Social Security benefits, right? If you're married and you, both you and your spouse have worked and maybe you've maxed out your benefits, so that could be $60,000 of combined Social Security income there. Half of that's thirty grand. It's pretty difficult to live in Southern California and make less than that. Those thresholds were originally established in 1984. Right. They were designed to include only a small number of higher income taxpayers. But guess what? Those thresholds have not been indexed for inflation. And so over more than 30 years, the number of Americans affected by the provision has risen dramatically. In 2013, most recent year uh, for uh, IRS data is available, more than 27 million taxpayer uh, included Social Security benefits in their tax, uh, on their tax returns. Uh, so that's a lot. And that's probably our listeners. Yes, I would say so. You know, um, I would imagine a lot of our listeners um, have assets. They have they're they're trying to create a retirement income. And some of our listeners they, they just think, well, Social Security, you know what? It's gravy. Don't think that either, because if you look at the number of the if you if you calculate how much money that is due to you, I mean, it, it's, it could be over a million dollars. Yeah, I mean, and it's not chump change. You can look at it this way: if your annual benefit is going to be $40,000, let's just say. That's equivalent to having a million to maybe $1.3 million to create that income stream. That, that's significant. Right. I mean, last time I knew, a million bucks was a lot. It's a lot of money. It's a ton of money. And if you could get that million dollars back to you in the form of an income stream that's tax efficient, because when, when you look at provisional income, Al, um, and what provisional income is, again, is that th just take a look at all of your income sources and then add half of your Social Security. So pensions, 401k distributions, municipal bond interest, um, you know, pension, whatever, right? right? Add all that stuff up. And then half of your Social Security benefits. That's going to be your provisional income. What is not included in provisional income is, guess what? Yeah, that's going to be your Roth IRA distributions. Boom, right? Yeah. So if I have a Roth IRA, those dollars that come out of a Roth IRA is not included in that provisional income. So uh -huh. a lot of our listeners have been doing Roth IRA contributions and conversions because they're looking ahead, right? They're saying, you know what? This is my asset base. Here's my income base. And if I can get more money into Roth, then when I start pulling those dollars out, I have a, di a diversified tax strategy to create the retirement income. And that diversified strategy is not only going to save me money on ordinary income tax in the state of California tax, but guess what? It's going to reduce the amount of money that potentially my Social Security is going to be taxed. I mean, we've done planning for clients that we were able to move almost 90, 80% of their retirement accounts into Roths over the last six years. That's significant now when they get their Social Security payments, right? Because the capital gains rate, if you're in the 15% tax bracket, it's zero. 
So we told our clients, so like push your social security out to age 70. Let's live off of some brokerage assets that you have and let's do massive conversions. Now they got most of their retirement accounts in, in Roths. So that's going to be tax free to them. Their social security benefit is pushed off to age 70. They still maintain the lifestyle that they wanted from, you know, when they re- their retirement date of 65 to 70 or 62 to say, well, whatever it is. But now they have assets in a brokerage account that would be taxed at 15%. Guess what? There is no capital gains rate in the 15% level. They're taking distributions from their Roth IRAs and they have a lot larger social security benefit and most of their income is tax-free and they're probably generating a hundred plus thousand dollars of income. That's planning. It is planning, Joe. And and taxes don't really stop when your paycheck does. And a lot of people kind of don't realize that. Uh, In fact, tapping your retirement nest egg comes with all sorts of new rules and opportunities. Instead of contributing to tax-deferred accounts that reduce your taxes, you'll start tapping those savings for income and paying taxes at your regular rate, unless you're tapping into a Roth IRA, and this is what we want you to be thinking about right now. So as you near retirement, tax planning becomes more important than ever, but you must use a forward-thinking tax strategy. You'll have more control over paying taxes in retirement, more than you think, actually more so than any other time in your life. All right, we got to take another break. Show's called Your Money Wealth. 